folks with me on the Zoom here. I got Alex Ansel. How's it going, buddy? Stand up comedian. Hey, howdy. Glad to be here. <laughs> uh, right on, man. So, uh, how's the pandemic been treating you down there in Las Vegas? Uh, the, uh, ups and downs. You know, when it first hit, it was just like, oh my God, what the hell is happening? Because um, actually, uh, when, the pan- when the shutdown happened, it was exactly one week after I already kind of quarantined myself for a whole week. Because unfortunately, uh, at the beginning of March of last year, my father passed away. And, you know, that threw me in the spiral and I was drinking, staying home and just, you know, grieving. And then I was ready to go out again. And then it's like, oh, by the way, the whole country shut down. And I was like, God, I can't have anything to myself. Anything (laughs) I do, the whole country does. It feels like I'm a trendsetter. Yeah. Uh, But it's uh, it's made it's made me kind of focus on um, how to make myself more comfortable in my own living situation and. Uh, fortunately, where I'm at right now, I do have a, a, it's a converted garage. So it's a pretty sizable room. And over the months, you know, I was able to kind of build up what I call my studio, what you see here, uh, to do Twitch and to kind of do, how can I scratch that itch of performing, but not put myself out there in harm's way? Because, you know, I'm I'm a good comedian, but I don't have health care yet, you know, so I'm working on that. Yeah. But um, I did miss performing because I mean that, that you know that's my therapy that's how I uh, you know I missed that that you know I was like a fiend I was like an addict I was like I gotta make somebody laugh like I gotta get some laughs somewhere you know and um, you know just having to, to adjust and now it's like you know things are slowly but surely opening up and I'm like no nah, I'm good I just yeah, I'm gonna watch it's always sunny in Philadelphia for the fourth time it's like no alex you gotta go out and and actually over the summer i felt myself like getting feral almost because you know you're locked up you're cooped up and all this political shit is on the news and and this and that and everybody's arguing on facebook because they're not getting out there they're not interacting with real people and you know then i kind of go out and do some things and it's just like oh what happened to you kool-aid what's wrong alex and i'm like sorry just i haven't been around them with people in a while. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I've, I've also been one of the, the fortunate and lucky ones to been able to get some like uh, government assistance, you know, with some unemployment. Uh, but there were some ups and downs where I wasn't getting it. And then I had to, you know, do some belt tightening. And then, uh, but yeah, overall, it's been a challenge, a learning experience. And it's kind of focused uh, or it's helped me focus on, um you know, boning up my weaknesses as far as like making more content and then kind of how can I still reach my fans without physically being there? Mm-hmm. So just a lot of like readjusting and and kind of shifting gears a little bit. So didn't yeah, you have residency at a place for a minute there? What's up? Didn't you have residency at a, a club there for a minute? I did. I uh, actually in 2018, I had my own show at treasure island it was called uh what was it called uh damn it i have to look at the ticket uh losing weight the i think it was called that yeah uh i don't know i gotta look it up but anyway it was like a one-man show it was me and uh a pair of dancers and um (laughs) ah crap i'm uh i can't think of the name why can't i think of the name i did the show anyway the show only lasted like three weeks and they had me do like some singing and, and a little bit of dancing. And I would do like 40 minutes of material. Then the girls would come up and do a dance. 
I would do a wardrobe change and then get back on stage for like another 30 to 40 minutes. And then we'd have like a big closing number. And it was, it was definitely out of my comfort zone. It was definitely one of those things of like, Hey, this is why you're in Vegas. And uh, it was fun while it lasted. They made me a custom suit, uh, a suit jacket, which I still wish I had, man. If I had that jacket right now, Ooh, I'd be killing the game, baby. <laughs> um, so like I said, that, that only lasted, you know, easy come, easy go. That's how showbiz goes. And uh, it was, you know, like I said, it was fun while it lasted. And uh, I felt pretty good of like, I got my own show on the Vegas Strip. And here's where, where comedy and just life of a performer and things always go, you know, circular. Is when I first started comedy in South Texas, uh, I could only do open mics during the week. So those aren't the ones at the comedy club. So I would have to do open mics at Mexican restaurants yeah. and at certain bars. And then where I ended up having my Vegas show was in the second level of Treasure Island at the Senior Frogs Mexican <laughs> restaurant. It came, full like, circle. came full circle. It's like, I'm like, I'm on the Vegas strip, motherfuckers, <laughs> in a Mexican restaurant. So that humbles <laughs> you up real quick. And, uh, you know, if I could give advice to anybody is... Um, especially performers or in any industry you're in, be nice to everyone on your way up because you're going to see them on your way down. And I, I tried to never let it go to my head and try to be like, who the fuck are you? Because it's like, I, and part of me kind of saw the writing on the wall. I'm like, some of these motherfuckers don't know what they're doing and we'll see how long this lasts. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah I've, I've seen that a lot in the music business too which uh, in the stand-up comedy world is it's kind of uh it's unique in a sense it sounds like i've yeah. looked into it I'm, I'm pretty into it as far as like just being a fan of it yeah uh, so but you really they really like you to pay fucking dues in that that world <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of overlap and you know we we've had the chance to do shows together and and i'm sure you saw some of the overlap between you know, your experience in performing music in uh, places. And then also with, you know, pro wrestlers and independent wrestlers, there's a lot of overlap of like not getting paid a lot of money, you know, the long travel hours, yeah. shitty hotels, you know, being doing shows in the middle of nowhere, you've never been there before. And now it's your job to entertain these people. And, you know, <laughs> you, you got to make it their money's worth. And uh, that's one of the aspects that I, I definitely like is like, especially after, you know, I've been doing comedy now 10 plus years. Now I welcome the challenge. I'm like, I'm SEAL Team 6 of comedy. Drop me off whatever bar, whatever county, whatever. I'm like, I'm ready for it. I'm built. Yeah. Like, I'll make them laugh. I don't care what kind of people are there. If I have to be clean, dirty, whatever they want, like, put me in, coach. I'm good to go. I'm yeah. I'm prepared. All right on. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that night in Seattle where you got that rough crowd where you were telling. Oh, dude, that yeah, you were there at that one, right? What was that? I was laughing hysterically in the back, and then I just heard you go, "Fuck, really?" Like none of you motherfuckers yeah. think that's funny. And I started looking around and realized like it was just like me and Cody that were laughing at you. And then I was like, "Oh shit, rough room, man." Yeah. Was was that the the night of uh, where I had to go after the freak show? Yes. Is that the okay? I still talk about that night as like <laughs> one of my worst performing nights ever because I saw that the lurch guy kiss the bearded lady by tugging on her beard. That is a sentence I just said. All right. We're not bringing in gender politics, but he was tugging on her beard and he was kissing her upside down Spider-Man style. And I remember just, you know, sitting there, I was right next to Jake, the snake's daughter. 
And she's just like, oh my God, what is happening? And I'm like, I've been to Austin. You know, I wasn't phased by it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. And then that guy wanted Jake to staple dollars to him. And Jake was like, I'm not doing it, man. And you're like, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he 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 did that because uh, he wanted me to get over. And he's like, he's like, they, you know, you got to get over with them. So that's why you got to do it. And I was like, yeah, I don't really care, man. Like, I'm down. I'm like, I'll, I'll throw dollars at this dude's back. Yeah. Man, that yeah, fuck that that tour was a bit of a train wreck. I still feel bad about it, but if if anything, it was a character defining uh you know uh experience for all of us. And and one of the things that I took home from that was, you know, I did I did those jokes about my my dad coming out, and you know, I talked about my dad being gay and all this, and then that's where I lost them. And I was just like, okay, what's happening here? And it wasn't until after the show, somebody was like. Yeah, we're kind of like right next to the gay district of Seattle. And I was like, oh, you mean Seattle? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And then even some drunk lady, um, she was like talking real loud during Jake's set. And, you know, me, I just look at her and I shushed her because she was just drunk and talking real loud at the bar. And she goes, aren't you the guy that did all that homophobic material? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm misogynistic too. Shut the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like kiss my ass you know like. Dude, this brings up a great topic man <laughs> that i actually would love to have with you yeah how the fuck dude with all the cancel culture shit going on yeah and everything it's, it's got to be hard to be a fucking stand-up comedian man like i do you know what i'm here's where i'm at with it the ones that have you know like if you don't do anything illegal I think you're good. You know what I mean? And I think the, you know, the part I hate are, you know, the people that, oh, I did something wrong. And then they like apologize and they do all this. I find a lot more people survive cancel culture better if they're just genuine with it. And they're like, yeah, I said it, you know, like, I'm sure if you go back to my tweets of five years and 10 years ago, I probably said some fucked up shit. And then if you go, oh my God, you said this. And I'm like, yeah, I still kind of think it's funny now. Like, I don't care. Like, my job, you know, I'm not running for office or anything. My job is to make you laugh. You can tell me something's not funny, but you can't tell me you shouldn't be working because you have these thoughts and these views. And I hate that whole, like, thought police. And Well, you know, also, you have too, to... not necessarily, like, it's not hate in your heart if you say shit. Sometimes it's just yeah. that humor, you know? like Exactly. And I love, you know, I love pushing buttons and... and you know, I've talked to other comics and, and they're like, Kool-Aid, you get away with so much shit. And I do because I kind of have that like almost like Bender quality, you know, Bender from Futurama. Mm -hmm. He gets away with so much shit because he's a robot, you know, just like Cartman. He gets away with so much shit because he's a kid. And I go out there and I'll, you know, do racial stuff and political stuff and and just, you know, do people hate me afterwards? No, they just laugh and they'll buy a sticker. And, and you know, I think if if i think one thing is you have to be likable enough to get away with some of that stuff because you're not likable enough you just look like a hate monger yeah. i think ralphie may was really good at doing that man yeah exactly and and my buddy adam tells me he's like you got that ralphie me ralphie may thing you're just big cherubic the southern accent yeah. helps me get away with so much shit because it's so charming and endearing and you know if i were to say something horrible but you say it with a with a southern accent, it's like, ah, you. Ah, get over here. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, 
Well, yeah, it just blows my mind because, you know, you see some people getting canceled over some bullshit tweet and then they like, you know, uh, they scour to a corner and then there's others, you know, there's a guy named uh, Nick Mullen who's, uh, he does a come, uh, come town podcast and he just goes, now nah, I own it. Like, yeah, I did that. And then <laughs> you, I, you have to respect the genuineness and the realness. And, and that's what I like. Cause there's been, you, I mean, if you saw my, my, <laughs> my folder, of dra- of uh tweet drafts that I haven't published, you're like, whoa, because I'm one of these people I'm like, man, if I put this out there, this is gonna start some shit. And then the other half of me is like, well, there's no such thing as uh, you know, bad publicity. And, you know, it's like you got the two figures on the shoulder, like, tweet it, do it, start some shit. Yeah. Nah, man, you can't be doing that. You might work for Disney one day. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I just I just want to put out there what's funny, what I think is funny. And, uh, you know, if it comes across as, you know, this and that, and I, th- I think another thing I can get away with a lot is, you know, uh, especially with some of my stances and, and views and whatnot, it's like, Hey, I do have a dad who was gay or, you know, or, I mean, is he still gay if he's dead? I don't know, whatever. But I had a dad who came out, my mom's an immigrant, you know, so I don't, I'm not coming from this, you know, like outside room, room, room. you know, I've struggled and, and and been you know shit on all you know most of my life and then been on the outside with being this size and i was never part of the in crowd so like i i'm you know i identify and i empathize with all types of struggle and mine is never from like well i mean <laughs> it's always like eh, it kind of sucks but hey look at this other side yeah you know? so anybody who does any kind of art really struggles with that too i mean regardless of your size your color you know yeah because it's like is this good enough is this good enough is this good enough Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah um uh so like back on uh stand-up comedy how so you say you've been doing it for about 10 years right uh 10 years professionally uh about 11 it'll be 11 in september professionally uh, but then all around, probably like 13, since I did my first open mic. And oh, really? I, I honestly, I kind of screwed around the first two years. I would go to open mics here and there, you know, take, you know, take a couple weeks off and go to another and open mic. And then when I started like taking it seriously, then, you know, whatever effort you put in, that's the, that's what you get out. And when I really started, okay, let's go hit three, four five mics a week. You know, that's when the, the dividends would come out and, uh, I was, you know, getting like, um, you know, gigs booked and, and asked to do, you know, spots at the comedy club. And, you know, when you're coming up, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it still is now, you know. Uh, so, you know, again, the, the effort you put in is what you're going to get out. And when I started taking it seriously, so did they. And uh, ended up winning my first comedy competition at my home club in San Antonio. Uh, they gave me a big ass trophy and a five hundred dollar check. And, uh, that night, you know, my dad and his husband were there and my dad, before I won, he goes, so how long are you going to give this comedy thing, you know, a try? And I just, you know, cause I've, I've been known to kind of like, I just, just as a person, I'm very like, I always have great ideas and I'm, and I could plan them all out, but it's like executing them. So I'm like, man, I'd be like a Steve jobs type person where I'm just like, I have this idea. All right. Now you do it. I have this idea. Now you do it. But I'm not there yet, you know, but that night I told him, I was like, I don't know, dad, I love it. You know, like I love making people laugh, being on stage, sharing your thoughts and then getting that reaction is like the ultimate rush. And then when it gets louder and louder and the, and the, uh, the laughter and the clapping goes longer and longer, 
And it's just, oh, I mean, that feeling that, I mean, you can identify your performer when you got them in the palm of your hand. It's there's yeah. literally no better feeling. And I've tried to recreate that feeling with other things. I think too, man, like with stand up comedy, it's even, it's hard to even compare it to music, man, because like watching you and Jake do your thing, it's like, you have to demand the people's attention with music. You can get louder than them and you can with comedy, but it's harder without the guitar, the drums, everything with it, you know? So you got to use your yeah. words you have to use and, you know, and, uh, fuck man, I can't imagine getting like a bad crowd where people are heckling you trying to stay up there and do that. I mean, you seem like you're built for that shit though, because I, I, yeah, I've, I've seen a few things like you're pretty quick, but, um, but yeah, so it's different it's it's a totally different piece man and it's always been a world that fascinated me um yeah but uh yeah i respect the hell out of that kind of art and that kind of uh performance because it's just it's so special uh um but yeah so who how did how would you say you got into it man like like i've uh i've always loved comedy like i i was one of those kids that in middle school high school my tv was always on comedy central like in the background when I was doing homework or uh, and even like growing up, my, my dad was a big AV nerd and he would always like catch these sales on electronics and whatnot. So my room at one point had like three TVs in it. And I almost, it looked like if, if you watch a nineties movie and you go into like a hacker layer, that's almost what my room looked like. <laughs> so I would have one TV on comedy central. One TV would be on something else and another TV I'm playing a N64 wrestling game on. Like you're running a gambling racketeer or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything but the smoke, you know? <laughs> and I would just have electronic. It's probably why I'm infertile because I've always just had a shit ton of electronics and speakers and computers <laughs> and shit always around me. So I'm, I'm pretty sure one day my tumors are going to have tumors. Uh, but uh, so... Uh, and you know, I was, I was always a big kid and, and I would use my humor to kind of like deflect and, and, or to make fun of myself before somebody else could. And just to make people laugh, just to get that, that approval from them. And I uh, just always loved and appreciated comedy. And I knew way too much, uh, uh, about comedy at a way too young age. And I remember growing up, uh, you know, telling my, my parents, oh, these are my favorite actors, you know, Jim Carrey, Eddie Murphy um robin williams and my dad made the connection he's like oh they're all stand-up comedians and then you know i kind of would get into it i'd always watch the jay leno monologue and then eventually got into conan and just always loved and appreciated comedy and you know, i remember in high school you know i'd have uh people in my class and stuff tell me oh man you need to be on saturday night live or oh you're so funny this and that and then finally after i graduated college i think i was like 23 24 i finally went to an open mic and uh, I was like, okay, let's, how do I get into comedy? I went to a, a show at the comedy club, like a, a free show at the comedy club. And I asked one of the, you know, amateur or it was amateur night, but um, so I asked one of the guys, Hey, how do I get into this? And he's like, Oh, uh, come to, come to this club on Fridays. And they got this spot over here. And this is like during um, my space. So they're like, Oh, Hey, uh, you know, add me on MySpace. I post about the shows and the open mics there. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, thanks for being so gracious about it. And then my first day into comedy, I did two open mics because I knew that comedians would do more than one show a night. So I did an open mic at 5 PM in San Antonio, my hometown. 
And then I did an open mic at 9 p.m. in Austin, which is about an hour, hour and a half away based on traffic. And uh, those those two experiences in one night kind of helped, you know, g- give me a broader sense of what what, you know, what it is and what it's about. And um, yeah, just haven't looked back since, you know, uh, <laughs> I wish I still had video of my first time because it was just me like reading a joke off an index card and then <laughs> looking at the crowd. <laughs> and, then, and if and if and right now me telling you this you're like no nah, that doesn't sound like you motherfucker that was me yeah. uh and then now i just kind of go up there and just have fun i'm like okay i know what i can you know uh i i want to go up there and just kind of see catch the vibe and and trip a rift i know it's a lot of like hippy dippy bullshit i'm saying and then whatever if i'm just the nonsense i'm spewing is not working then you start to kind of work in some material and then you can see where they react from there and then go from there but those are just things that have just been honed over you know 10 years of just gigging 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 so but, right on yeah, man that's how i got into it just ask somebody of hey how do i start this and then i uh, haven't looked back since who are some of your favorites man um alive dead in general or all, all around just whoever of all time i'm definitely a carlin guy uh, cause Carlin to me, I love the way he played with language. Uh, that always fascinated me as somebody, uh, my first language was German and then I learned English. So, um, and, uh, you know, learned some Spanish here and, and some other things. So like, I've, I've always had this fondness and this, um, appreciation of language and of, um, language uses and synonyms, you know, like kind of being a language nerd and of of seeing the he kind of played with words like they were legos and then you know later on getting into some of his like political stuff and whatnot and of course i love the the way uh richard Pryor would do characters and voices and just you know connect on such a uh deep and personal level with with everybody it didn't matter if they looked like him or they didn't the way he could connect with an audience is just amazing uh, i mean of course right now Chappelle is killing it i'm a huge tom segura fan I'm Bill Burr, fantastic. Uh, Kyle Dunnigan is one of my favorites. There, there's kind of like an old road dog who he doesn't get enough credit because I, I don't think he wants to. I'm, I'm sure he wants to be famous, but it's like I don't think he cares about being famous. And if you ever get a chance and you're out east, because he's based out of Louisiana, there's a guy named uh, the Raging Cajun, John Morgan. That dude, watching him has just taught me so much about comedy. Uh, Tom Rhodes is amazing. Uh, I learned a lot working with him. Uh, God, I, I, who else? Who else? Uh, I'm a big fan of Shane Gillis, uh, the guy who, who was hired on SNL. Then he got unhired. Um, love his stuff. And then all the guys like on Legion of Skanks, that podcast. Um, and, you know, like Dan Soder and Big J Okerson uh, from The Bonfire. Uh, those are definitely some of my, my favorites to watch. And, uh, you know, if any of those guys kind of like perform in the area, I'm like, yeah, I got to go to that show. I got to go check that out. So, uh, sure. how do you, do you, uh, you like that Pete Davidson guy? He's kind of new out there doing stuff. Uh, yeah. Here and there. Like, um, you know, it just, some of the stuff is not my, my cup of tea. You know, I watch mm-hmm. some of the stuff and I'm like, okay, you know, just, um, not to like, you know, speak ill of him and he's yeah. having a great career and he's doing great things. I enjoyed him in that, um, what is it? King of Staten Island. The, yeah, there, I enjoyed his performance, but just the editing of that movie was like, <laughs> God damn it. Judd Apatow. Stop yeah. making these comedies. So fucking long, dude. 
Yeah, man, Judd Apatow. Um, as much as I love him, dude, and love his yeah. the stuff, it, it's it's a little fucking beaten to death, kind of. You know, even uh, what was it? Um, Funny People. Yeah, that, you could have cut out forty five minutes of that movie easy. Yeah, I liked uh, it, though. and then just personally with Judd Apatow, the way he didn't defend some comics was like bullshit. I was like, man, fuck you, dog. Like, I hate it when comics turn on other comics. If it's something about like what they posted or a joke they did, or I get it. You know, if somebody, um, you know, broke the law and did some sexual misconduct, sexual uh-huh. assault, fuck yeah, get them the fuck out of here. We don't need that shit. But if somebody, you know, tweeted a Kobe joke and oh God, let's cancel him. You know, my stance is, yo man, uh, I'm a Spurs fan and Kobe torched my team. So <laughs> here are my Kobe jokes. Boom, 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 boom. Check my Twitter. You know? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, so, stand up com. Yeah, I'm big on that. Like, I don't think, yeah, comics should turn on other comics as far Maybe as like, I missed because it's like we're all in this together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Maybe I missed, Maybe I missed that a little bit, man. Uh, so what exactly happened there? Did some of his comics come under fire? The people that he used in his movies come under fire for some shit or what? Uh, I think he came out and slammed Shane Gillis, the guy who. He was hired by SNL, and then there was some writer out there that had a, a bone to pick with that type of comedy in that scene out in Philly, and he released a clip of where Shane Gillis did a Chinese accent uh, that was taken out of context, and then was all uh, because SNL hired Shane Gillis and then a gay Asian at the same time, they're like, well, it's kind of a bad look if we hire this, you know, like, you know, middle, middle of Pennsylvania, you know, uh, and his... Shane Gillis's comedy alludes to like Trump supporting and, oh. but I think a lot of it is kind of like, he does it ironically, which I appreciate. He's always like, Oh yeah, dude, Trump dog. Yeah. He rules, you know, like, okay. <laughs> you know, and uh, which, you know, con- our uh, SNL, they needed someone that kind of skews conservative because, you know, if you, all these writer rooms between Kimmel and Colbert and all that, they all have the same type of writer. It's all these, you know, leftist leaning and, and th- that's why they all write the same jokes yeah you know you've seen clips of them on youtube of where they'll have kimmel seth and um uh colbert uh and uh what's his name uh the other one uh fallon and they all do like the same you know this trump joke oh this joke and then this yeah. joke and it's just if you you need people from all different walks of life and different experiences to kind of um you know, make fun of both sides, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of the, the line I like to tell. I saw even not too long ago mm-hmm. that was like, uh, now that Trump's out of office, what are like liberal comedians gonna fucking talk about, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. And that's another thing is like memes of kind of like, they've killed topical, uh, jokes, you know, because anytime, you know, let's say, uh, you know, a comedian does a topical joke, boom, somebody can be inspired by it or basically rip it off. And then they'll make <laughs> a visualized version of that joke. And then, you know, three days later, if it blows up or goes viral, that, that comedian tries to do that joke again. It's like, oh, you ripped it off from that meme. And it's like, what the, f-? you know, mm-hmm. and you would see things like this happen all the time. Um, you know, 80s and 90s, you know, writers would go to comedy shows and they'd see a great joke. And then three weeks later, be on an episode of Roseanne or uh, there was a comic who had a, a closer about how when he gets drunk, 
he'll go to a pizza place, order delivery, and then have the delivery guy take him and the pizza home. Well, after doing that joke for umpteen many years, it finally was in like a uh, uh, like a beer ad, you know, of like, oh, here's how to be smart about it. And so, did he get any compensation? No. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just a one of those things you gotta you gotta deal with. And me, I'm. I, that's why I try to write from like a personal place of like, all right, you can't rip those jokes off. But if it's stuff I put out on, on Twitter and Instagram of like, oh, here's a thought I had, boom, it's put fair. it out there. Let's see where reaction it gets. Sure. And then those are just kind of like little weapons you can put in your arsenal for the live shows and whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know, for the people that kind of go out of their way to like, I don't know. Sometimes I have a bone to pick with comics that will just sh- uh, share or just like, repost memes and i'm like we should be the ones creating the memes like it, i'll share memes but i'll give them credit i'll say oh hey i found this on reddit or hey this is from my buddy blah 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 but i feel like as comedians and performers we should be the ones creating the content that's why i always like to post my own oc and 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 make my own memes and do my own thoughts use my own photos for reactions and things like that just to kind of like make it more like oh here this is something i made versus Here's something I found. And because that, you know, 10 years ago or less than 10 years ago, everybody was jumping on fuck Jerry because that dude was just stealing memes and getting, you know, money from Instagram, money from advertisers. And then he he got a book deal and then Comedy Central signed him. And then all these comics came out of the woodwork and they're like, fuck this guy. He's stealing our shit and he's getting rich off of it. But now all the comics are kind or not all of them, but a lot of them are kind of doing the same thing now. So it's like, you know, what, what's happening here? So, well, there's this heat with I, Carlos yeah. Mancia too over that same thing. What's that? There's heat with Carlos Mancia over the, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that I've, I, you know, full discretion, I've worked with him and, you know, uh, but this was, you know, all after the whole you know, him getting called out on uh, Mark Marin and whatnot. And, you know, I think he, he, you know, this is just my speculation. I think he had to be called on it and it probably made him a better performer. Cause it's like, okay, I got all these eyes on me. He's still a great performer. He's still, he knows how to write a joke. You know, he still goes out there. He's on the road. He's still selling out. He's still killing it. Sure. He's got his detractors, but you know, anybody's going to have that. So yeah. Um. I mean, the last couple shows I've seen him, I didn't see anything that was lifted from anybody else. It's because it's him. Yeah. You know, and and he kind of rose to the criticism and you know rise to the challenge and uh, went from there. So, you know, I get that. And you know, I've I've you know done jokes or something where I'll have a uh, the one in particular. I did a joke about how, uh, like I have a graphic design degree. I feel dumb because I finished college because I feel like as soon as you could forge your degree, that's when you graduate. <laughs> and so I, I did that joke and then I had a club owner pull me aside. He goes, Hey, that joke's kind of similar to this guy. And I was like, I don't know who that guy is. Or I, I think I, I was like, Oh, I worked with that guy one time before, you know, I'll, you know, check out his clips online. I couldn't find the clip, but I was like, ah, eh, I better be sure. So I don't really do that bit on stage, you know? Um, so just to kind of, um, you know, be on the safe side. And I think, you know, that, uh, it's one of those things where like, if you get called out on it or if somebody, you know, the first time you see it, you want to kind of like, Hey buddy, Hey, uh, that joke is real similar to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If they go, Oh shit, I'm sorry. You know what? I'll, 
change mine or I'll look at theirs and I'll reassess the situation. But then there's others that do not give a shit and they'll just keep doing it. And it's like, oh, okay. So you're going to be one of those guys. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people, you know, I don't associate with them, but I know of people that will scour YouTube looking for new jokes or, you know, especially when you watch like open mics and new people, they borrow a lot of stuff and they use a lot of stuff because they don't have their own stuff. And they'll go up there and they'll do like Eddie Griffin material. They'll do Cat Williams material. They'll do, you know, Mitch Hedberg jokes. That was a big one that a lot of people ripped off. And then they're like, oh, I'm fucking awesome at this. I've been doing this six weeks. How come the club hasn't booked me? And then, you know, open micers that have been doing it one year, two year, three years are just like, look at this asshole. He has no idea what he's doing. You know, oh, y'all are just hating because I'm so good at it. And I'm like, no, dude, you're using bits that were written by Chappelle, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you, you know, if somebody goes sees Dog Bite Harris and then all they hear is, you know, uh, cover songs. And it's like, what's going on? And then you go, oh, these are my originals. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, buddy. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Know? So, yeah, damn. Eh, you know, you just got to, again, I'm the only Alex Kool-Aid Ansel out there. So I got to make sure I'm the best Alex Kool-Aid Ansel that I can be and uh, you know, f- fill that void in people's lives that don't have enough <laughs> Alex Kool-Aid Ansel in their life. <laughs> so for sure. Yeah, man. I, well, I really enjoyed the little stint on the road that we did watching you every night for five or six days, man. So uh, obviously you resonated well with me because I've followed you since then, you know? Thank you. So. Thank you. Appreciate that. Another uh, guy that I uh, hung out with and talked to, I don't know if you know him, but Berg, you know Berg? Hmm, I don't think so. Okay, I'll send you his link. But uh, especially on that like Northwest tour, like I just met so many awesome people, and the you know a lot of the venues up there were fantastic. And uh, you know, I I always I'm always super self conscious. I'm like, oh my god, did I treat somebody like shit? And then uh, I'm like, no, nah, usually my my autopilot is pretty good. Like I. I have to be in a real foul mood or I have to really go out of my way just to, you know, to be an asshole or, and then even if I do get called on it for, if I do something rude on accident, I'm just, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, if I, you know, uh, or, you know, if I'm sitting at a table and I order before the lady or some shit, then I'm like, oh my man, <laughs> and if that's like the biggest thing I'm worried about, then I'm good. You know, I always try to make sure the people around me are having fun. I always try to, I always try to be as easy as I can to work with, you know, because, uh, again, working with Jake and working with other, like, ho- uh, high-profile people, it's like, yo, man, there's a lot of bullshit you're putting me through. <laughs> and with me, it's like, if I'm headlining a tour, I'm just like, yo, let's just get there on time. Let's have a good show. Let's get some drinks afterwards, and boom. And it's yeah. not like, all right, now I'm going to make my problems your problems. Like, uh yeah um so were you kind of like the road manager there when you were doing that or was that mainly cody's gig um mainly cody in the beginning and then uh there'd be certain gigs where she would hang back in vegas and then i would kind of take over as far as like road managing stuff of like booking the hotels or, or finding places to eat uh you know picking up stuff if if like headshots are getting sent out because we're getting low on those uh, taking care of the t-shirt sales, taking care of getting the money from the venue. So I would kind of do all that hands-on stuff as long and with driving the whole time because um, with Jake's neck surgery, he's not able to have full motion of his neck. So uh, I'd be doing all the driving. And so for for a lot of, the, for some of the legs of the tours we would do across the country, I would have to do that. 
And uh, yeah, that's, that's, oh my God. And then of course, Jake wants to wake up every morning at 6 a.m. And really, <laughs> and then, oh man, it was brutal. He's like, why are you tired? And I'm like, huh, you're running me ragged, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you're over here smoking me and watching law and order all night. And, you know, you go do a radio interview while we're on the road. And, you know, I'm the one doing all the nuts and bolts and stuff, but um again it was a great learning experience it definitely humbled me up and it's definitely made me think of like okay how can i be easier to work with you know um so that's that's been one of those things so even like you know oh hey is there anything special you want for the green room and i'm like I, cold drinks you know like, <laughs> I <don't> know. like <laughs> just a couch you know like there's a new place to sit it's comfortable <laughs> and you know things like that so i uh, but who knows? Maybe I blow up and then I can get to be a full on douchebag asshole. And then people can <laughs> defend it by going, well, I mean, he's in demand. He's under a lot of pressure. And, and <laughs> you know, you, don't, you can't just be nice and get to the top like that. You have to. And it's like, oh, yeah. I hear that music. You can't be. Yeah, you can't be nice and get to the top. But you're probably right, because about anybody I've known that's made it to the top is a douchebag. So <laughs> there's probably some truth. I, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you know Tom Hanks? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, who else have you worked with? I mean, I know Jake, uh, you mentioned Carlos Mencia, like, have you worked with anybody as like, um, as much as Jake, I guess, like, did you go on the road with anybody else or like kind of help? Um, no, nah, not really. Just because of like Vegas is such a hot spot that people will fly in all the time. And then, uh, depending on what clubs I'm working with, you know, uh, I, I used to have a regular Monday night spot at the LA comedy club inside the strat because I would help them with their social media stuff using my graphic design degree. I'd make graphics and videos and, and things that would help promote the club. So I got to meet every headliner that would come through. Um, so I got to, you know, work with a lot of those cats and, and they got to see what I did stayed in touch with them. I still do flyers and graphics and some, some of that stuff for some of those other folks. Uh, but as far as like uh, opening and stuff, uh i mean for tours jake was pretty much it uh, i did open some shows for raven oh, uh, right. we did a little texas run there that was that was pretty he's fun a pacific that was right. northwest guy. Raven... what's that he's a pacific northwest guy i used to watch him when i was really little on portland wrestling as scotty the body man nice nice yeah he's he's a peculiar dude man. oh i he, bet uh, he's super clever uh you know when the first night we worked together he's like what do you think of my jokes and i went okay and <laughs> they were all kind of like early one year two year comic you know type jokes and i go you're making me cringe a lot like do you, do you not want to make people laugh like because there's only a couple tweaks per joke where hey, if you just change this word or put this punch put the punchline over here or say this instead of that and he goes no but i want to make people cringe and i go that's not gonna give them a good time they're just gonna sit there with a screwed up face instead of laughing and having a good time and then the other thing is like when i because i've watched you know shows with um mick foley and, and rob van dam of them doing you know comedy and stuff what i want as a wrestling fan who does comedy i want you to talk about wrestling and if you can make it funny make it funny mm -hmm. what i <laughs> i prefer i don't want to say i don't like it but i prefer it over Oh, hey, I'm Mick Foley. Here's what I think of Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, oh, man, I do not give a shit. You know, tell me about the empty arena match. You know, yeah, I don't want to yeah. hear your your thoughts of, you know, like politics or, or 
oh man, these truck nuts are something, ain't they? And it's like, oh, uh, <laughs> tell me what it was like to be dude love. You know, I want to hear Cactus Jack's stories. Um, same thing with, you know, like uh, Rob Van Dam, great guy, you know, super nice dude, but he would just kind of go up there and try to do his like, you know, literally half-baked thoughts and, and things. And I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, what are we doing here? And then at the end of a set, he'd be, you know, he'd set aside 10 minutes for Q&A. And he would tell a story, and it would be fucking hysterical. He told stories about, you know, uh, Polly and, and 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 doing um, rental car stuff, and and you know these people were involved, and that just had me laughing so much harder. Um, so it's like kind of know your audience, and and right now I'm actually working with Medusa, mm. aka Alundra right. Blaze, and we're gonna start working on some shows together, and uh, I'm gonna work with her and and getting her to tell me the stories, and then me going around punching them up. And then getting them ready to be told in a longer format. Uh, so that's one of the projects I'm working on now. She's actually going to come fly out to Vegas and LA in May. We're going to record some stuff together. We co-host. Uh, well, I'm her co-host for a uh, podcast called Deuces Wild uh, Happy Hour, and it's on the AdFreeShows.com network. And they're the they're the network that has podcasts with good old Jr. Tony oh yeah, Shavani, yeah. Okay. Eric Bischoff, Arn Anderson. So part of that whole network is also Medusa's happy hour or Deuce's happy hour uh, with me, the co-host, Alex Antle. Nice. Uh, so we do that every other Sunday. The next episode will be on the 21st. And, uh, you know, we've been able to build up a rapport and, and kind of, um, you know, get to know each other better and kind of bounce ideas off and uh, kind of like, um, excuse me. Ooh, I'm all gassy. I've kind of putting us out there like a performance duo and then eventually uh, we're going to hit the road where I'm going to open and then uh, she'll headline and then we'll do like a, a you know, Q&A thing where it's the both of us at the end of the show. Uh, so the, that's one of the projects that I'm working on uh, currently and uh, having fun. You know, I, sometimes uh, I'll jump on her Twitch stream and make her fans laugh and then try to make them Kool-Aid fans, too, and bring them over to my stream. So right. how did you yeah. get hooked up with her, man? Uh, through Jake's daughter, Cody. Um, right. Cody has been booking. Uh, she started her own like booking agency called uh, Lasting Legacy Talent, and so she books all kinds of people now. So she uh, uh, she books Hacksaw Jim Duggan, um, Brian Knobs from the Nasty Boys. Uh, she's booking stuff for for Mick Foley, uh, bunch. I mean, just countless wrestlers. Uh, you know, stuff for Vicky Guerrero and and countless you know others that I'm just. Whenever I hear a new name, I'm like, damn, you got them? Or who? <laughs> I remember that. Because yeah. as big of a wrestling fan I am, uh, I only got into wrestling like 98, 99. And then I was into it for like four or five years. And then I took like a 12-year break and then got back into it like around 2014, 2015. And then I've been a fan ever since. And I actually, just before this interview here, uh, just finished, uh, almost finished watching uh, Friday Night Smackdown on Hulu. Um, so getting all caught up and, uh, you know, now, uh, and the one thing that we do on Medusa's podcast on Deuces Wild is we focus more on women's wrestling. We highlight and talk more and show light and show attention to women's wrestling because all the other shows we'll talk about, you know, uh, everything else in wrestling and all the stuff that's been rehashed by YouTube videos and everything else. But we focus on women's wrestling and, and trying to, you know, get more eyeballs on that product from, AEW, WWE, NXT, and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, New Japan, 
So yeah, yeah. right on. Um, yeah. So who are some of your favorites now? Uh, for wrestling? Yeah. Always, dude. Bo Dallas, baby. <laughs> that's man, my, that's my dude right there. Storyline with him and Bray for a long time, man. I'm hoping. Oh, dude, I it would be fantastic. He's so uh, fucking underrated. It irritates the piss out of me that you never see him. I guess he's not even injured. He's just like backstage hanging around. Like, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's that. been uh, taking like real estate course, you know, classes and stuff because uh, he's gonna start a real estate business with uh, Liv Tyler, and they're already looking. To doing things post you know uh wrestling and whatnot and it kind of irks me because my old roommate and i we got into bo dallas kind of ironically because we we're like look at this fucking nerd leave, <laughs> and we're like this yeah. guy rules you know like it started ironically but then we're like nah dude this is our dude uh-huh. and we would get bo leave shirts and we would go to independent wrestling shows rcw in san antonio and it'd be me and like uh, my three roommates, and we'd all wear Bo Leave shirts, and we would roll in there like a fucking crew, and it was <laughs> awesome. That is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we we even adopted a stray cat who we named Bo Leave or Bo for short. Um, and then my my old roommate Derek, as gag gifts, we we give each other like signed Bo Dallas stuff that we find on eBay. Um, so like one year for Christmas. Uh, he bought a shirt from Bo Dallas's uh, eBay, Bo Dallas's wife's eBay store. It's a size medium women's Captain America shirt, but Bo Dallas signed it. <laughs> and he was like, Bo leave. And then I would go on eBay and find like trading cards signed by Bo Dallas, or I'd find photos signed by Bo Dallas. Um, so I, I have a pretty, pretty good collection of signed Bo Dallas stuff. I have all, uh, the only action figure I don't have of Bo Dallas is the two pack with him and uh, Curtis Axel. But uh, he's just one of those dudes that kind of like stuck with me and resonated with me. And it's kind of like a deep cut. Uh, but currently uh, I love what, what uh, Paul Heyman's doing with Roman Reigns is fantastic. I've always been a new day. Mark love new day. Street profits are fantastic. Um, Otis. I can identify with, <laughs> I don't like the direction they're taking him, but you know, um so yeah there's there's a bunch of great talent and then uh when it comes to the women uh you know i'm a big fan of nia Jax, piper niven jordan grace oh my god she's so gorgeous and they're all fantastic in the ring too mm-hmm. you know so i mix watching them you know very captivating uh oscar of course i mean charlotte's Oscar's amazing great. sasha banks so tons of talent um that i love to watch on there you watch it are you keeping up on aew <laughs> I try to, um, we, we, we cut the direct TV. So now I'm trying to find a way of like where I can legally uh, <laughs> watch AEW every week. But what I try to do is like watch the recaps or watch some of the matches that they put on YouTube. I got and, sling uh, for 50 bucks a month. It's an internet cable thing. Right. It gives right. me everything I need. It's pretty rad, dude. It's only 55 bucks a month. <sighs> I already spend like, let's see. Uh, I got Disney Hulu. <laughs> I'm sharing Netflix. I don't know. Am I incriminating myself? And then what else am I sharing? Uh, and then I think I'm paying for like, uh, you know, and then Amazon Prime and then oh, CBS. Fuck. So it's like, I don't know if I want to throw on another 50 on there when it's just like, oh, oops, how did I get to this website? And then, oh, look, it's Dynamite. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, the, and there's just so much wrestling out there. I mean, for me, it's it's a 
hate to use the, you know, for lack of a better term, it's a slog to kind of get through just all of the WWE product. You know, you got Raw, SmackDown, NXT, um, and then, you know, throw in some AEW and then throw in TNA Impact and throw in ROH. And it's like, oh, they're, that's why I thought it was a great idea that when we had of like, hey, let's talk about women's wrestling because that pretty much cuts down, you know, the watch time of all those shows from 100% to, I don't know, 33% at least. Me and a buddy of mine tried to do a podcast and we started right after WrestleMania last year. And I swear to God, I got so burnt out on wrestling. I hardly watch it anymore. Like I watch the highlights. I watch the highlights every week, but I don't watch really the episodic shows anymore. And it kind of bums me out a little bit, but it's just like, I don't know. I feel like I'm missing some good things, but I just feel like, God damn, I dedicate so much of my time to wrestling, (laughs) you know, that's, that's why I love watching it on Hulu because they, they cut out some of the weaker matches or they cut out some of the fluff mm-hmm. and everything's streamlined. There's no commercials. And I'm like, cool, I'll keep watching on Hulu like this. This works for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I do like it, man. And I like the fact that um, there's more options now, you know, because WWE was getting pretty eh, for a while. And it still is. I feel like, I don't know, with as much as everybody bitches and raves about aew i kind of feel like wwe is fucking making the crawl back up and aew is kind of going down in my opinion like that last pay-per-view from aew was fucking hard as shit for me to sit through and the one before that i I heard i was pissed you know so it's like (laughs) i I bootlegged the other one the new one and i'm glad i did because i I didn't even fucking watch it all and it was when i had it for free so uh uh, there's parts of it, everything I like, I think, you know, and then uh, there's parts that I just don't. And I feel like the what it's really lacking is I don't think they're telling stories anymore, man. And I'm a story guy. Like, as much as I love a good match, uh, I, I like the story a little better, I think, you know. And nobody's I mean, telling fucking good stories anymore, you know. Yeah, that's what I appreciate, uh, you know, about the NXT product, especially before it went on and it was two hours on, on uh, USA. But It's picking back just, up, though. Yeah, it was just pure, just like storytelling, not not too many gimmicks or weird things. And you're not getting uh, Alexa Bliss lighting, our, you know, Randy Orton on fire. You're not getting that on NXT. It was just good, pure, awesome, athletic, you know, in-ring storytelling. And I really appreciated that, you know, uh, even though I was kind of raised on the attitude era of all the gimmicks and the extras and the yeah. uh, titties and beer and this and cage matches and whatnot. Um, so it's kind of good to be introduced to that. And then, uh, another thing I really appreciate, uh, is also NXT UK, mm-hmm. uh, because That's it's the them kind of bringing over almost like different ingredients, but still trying to make the, the same meal, same presentation and just watching the different styles of the, you know, the, the British chain wrestling and the, you know, kind of the strongman stuff. Versus kind of, you know, the amalgamation of the U.S. style of wrestling. And then you bring in some luchadors from the AAA and they bring in their stuff. And then guys from Japan, like I, I, you know, it's weird now. I feel confident enough in my watching ability that if I watch a match, I can I can pretty much tell, oh, what scene or what country, at least this person is trained in the most by just watching the match. Um but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like watch the stuff you like and if there's stuff that pisses you off, stop watching it. So you don't have to complain about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, I bet you there's a lot of people that are waiting for the Snyder cut to come out next week so they can complain about it 
me, I hope it's going to be good because you know the Justice League they deserve a good movie. <laughs> uh, so even if it's going to be four hours and it's going to be in a square box format, but yeah, that's another nerd rage for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I bitch a lot though online about the product, but. I think I kind of came to the conclusion that I'm like just gonna stop, <laughs> though you know, just kind of enjoy what I can and just not pay attention. Well, to it. um, yeah, it's it, you know when uh, was it Rise of Skywalker came out? I try not to put too much negative stuff out there, but after Rise of Skywalker came out, I mean, I sat in the car like despondent, and then I went to Burger King and I just I ate a, a Whopper in silence. You know, just thinking of how shitty the movie was. And then I pulled up in front of the house. I sat in the car for another 20 minutes of just like, you know, smoking a cigarette of like, what the fuck did I just watch? And then I came inside, recorded a video. And I like, I never go out of my way. to be like, but it, it just, it was terrible. I had to put my thoughts out there and it was just absolute steaming pile of dog shit. And I still stand by it of how terrible the, uh, I can't even talk about it. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> uh, but, but now you know they've they've made the turnaround mandalorian both seasons were fantastic um i was really impressed with uh wandavision too <laughs> wandavision uh, good, man. yeah i at first it started off for me it did start off a little rocky i was like what the fuck is that? yeah totally i was kind of like what the fuck's going on and i i was wondering if it was going to stay that way i was like is this going to be some just weird superhero black and white 50s thing and then uh yeah, I picked up though. It's good. I haven't finished it yet though, but yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, for sure. And just made me more excited for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then my favorite MCU character is Loki. So I'm stoked for that Loki show coming out over the summer for sure. Cool, man. Um, hell yeah. <laughs> well, shit, man. I think I'd, we had a pretty good interview, man. I think uh... <laughs> Coming up on about 45 oh, yeah. minutes. So, I, or actually, I think we're probably coming right up on. to an hour. Um, but, uh, yeah, so. Do some plugs? Huh? <laughs> yep. Should I do some plugs? Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Hey, guys, I'm Alex Kool-Aid Ansel, and you can check me out online. Uh, everything is at alexansel.com. Uh, and if you feel like it, join me for my Twitch stream, uh, twitch.tv slash y2kool-aid. I play video games on there. Do a lot of just chatting. It's a lot of nerd stuff. I talk wrestling and video games, comic books, movies, uh, Ninja Turtles, of course. Uh, anything Texas related. Sometimes I drink on there and have a good time. I do themed stuff where I have a show called Dumb Mestic Violence uh, where I play fighting games. And then uh, uh, I'm, I want to do a show called Drag Racing where I'm going to have a lady put makeup on me and then we're going to play racing games. Oh, my God. That's going to be... <laughs> I don't have Twitch, but I might have to fucking get it and start figuring yeah. it out if I. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the things I do on Twitch is I'll play a video game, and then if people uh, tip me twenty dollars, I'll eat a raw jalapeno, <laughs> and then it's funny to watch me like deal with you know eating a raw pepper, and I'm like fighting Akuma, and I'm like, yeah. so I'm fighting two <laughs> at once, and uh, so then that's a lot of fun doing that. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to look into doing some like uh, exercise games too. Cause uh, you know, we could all benefit from physical activity. So there's yeah. a game I got and uh, it'd be cool to have people like cheer me on while I'm like punching the air and watching my arm flaps go around. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, that's a big thing. Catch me on Twitch. Uh, everything on my social media is Y2 Kool-Aid letter Y number two 
K-O-O-L-A-I-D. Uh, if you come to Vegas, come look me up um, or just stay in touch with me on all the social medias. And if I come out to a place near you, uh, you can see me before they cancel me. So <laughs> hashtag cancel Kool-Aid. <laughs> there you go. Uh, cancel Ansel. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. Well, uh, I got a show. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, Aaron. sorry. I, I didn't cut you off. Was... You got a show coming up. Sorry. Keep keep going. Oh, no. Uh, a project I'm working on is called uh, Ansel Culture. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of, uh, I'm going to be like making like YouTube videos or like little podcasts of uh, things that will try to get me canceled. <laughs> Are you really going to do that? Or are you just fucking? Yeah, absolutely. The first episode, I'm going to talk about how Baby Yoda is retarded. Oh, my God. And then dive into that and then be like, what? I go, he's retarded. Like, we love him, but he's he's special. (laughs) So I I ranted and raved about it one Friday night on Twitch. I was drunk as shit. And then I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I bet you I could make a whole video out of that. Let's do it, you know. Uh, then I want to do another video where uh, <laughs> it's going to look like blackface, but my whole defending it is like, no, I'm Venom, you know? Oh, shit. And then, uh, I'll talk about other. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just just trying to think of like, oh, what can, what can get me canceled this week? And then just go out there, film that, record it, edit it, and then throw it up there. And then hopefully people will be so sick of uh cancel culture that it won't mean anything anymore i think god gave you a gift when he gave you that last name man because because <laughs> that's yeah. that's about fucking perfect i think it'll be yeah well, so far the only thing i have for ansel culture is there's a twitter account named ansel culture so check it out <laughs> all right hell yeah is there anything else you want to add before we click off here um no support live comedy uh you know retweet stuff and like and share stuff and um you know, just um, be a good person. Uh, look at the better things in life and uh, love yourself take your and love prayers and take your vitamins. There you go. Uh, hell yeah. Go Spurs go. Selena will live forever. And <laughs> and turtle power. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime, sir. Later, Alex. Bye-bye. <laughs>